I'm wondering if we could stand and read Isaiah 53, verse 3, just to honor God's word. Um, Isaiah 53, verse 3. Uh, this whole chapter is a, a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Amen. Brother McAtee, would you ask the Lord's blessing on this today? Amen. You may be seated. Now, some of you I have told this about already, but I just want to share it with you anyway again. For those of you who have heard it, this is going to be like... Um, Old news. But some of you haven't heard this, so I'm going to share this. <clears throat> Recently, I mean, within the past week or two, I heard a TED Talk, and the name of the TED Talk was What I Learned from 100 Days of Rejection. And the guy's name is Jia Jiang. I don't know if I said that right. That's what it looks like when I read it. And he's from China. But uh, I found this, uh, it really got my attention. Really, some of the things he was saying just really spoke to me personally. And I had my family sit down during one of our family devotionals. And I said, I want you to listen to the entire 15 minutes or whatever it is of this TED Talk. So I'll just give you the essence of it. I'm not going to give you the whole 15 minutes of his talk. But Gia had a tremendous fear of rejection. Anybody can relate to that? Um, that's what really got my attention because my whole life I've had a tremendous fear of rejection. Um, and that was stemming from a time when he was six years old. When he was six years old, his teacher had a pile of gifts at the side and she said, all right, children, we're all going to sit. When you start saying nice things about other children, and as soon as you hear your name is heard, uh, mentioned, oh, you know, so-and-so, your name is mentioned, they say something nice about you, uh, she said, then you can go get a gift. And so he said, or he remembers that first name that was mentioned, someone saying nice about it. He gave out this hearty cheer, and he was just so excited, and eventually got down to 20 people left, and he was still there. And then it got down to 10 people left, and he was still one of the 10 that no one had said something nice about. And then he got down to the final three, and the teacher said, is anybody willing to say something nice about these three? He said, nobody said nothing nice about the last three, and he was one of those three. And so the teacher um, had him go get a gift anyway. They said, okay, we'll do better next year. And he said he just, his whole life, he would get to something where, you know, there was a time in his life he wanted to conquer, but this six-year-old self kept coming back, this rejection. So one day he realized this tremendous fear he had. He began to look online to find things that would help him with his fear of rejection. He wanted to conquer that fear of rejection. So he found a website called rejectiontherapy.com. 
And there was this idea he saw in there, and it was a game, sort of like a game you would play for 30 days, where you would go out and you would um, look for something intentionally that would cause you to be rejected. And then by the end of 30 days, the idea was you'd be desensitized to this pain of rejection. So Gia decided to do a video blog of himself, made a little game of it. For 100 days, he came up with his own ideas of being rejected. 100 days. And this statement is on his blog. He said, I am going through 100 days of rejection therapy, aiming to make 100 crazy requests to get rejected. My goal is to desensitize myself from the pain of rejection and overcoming my fear. Feel free to send me ideas and suggestions. Three criteria that I set for myself. Number one, it needs to be ethical. No lying or marriage undermining. Number two, it needs to be legal. And number three, it's got to be something that doesn't defy the law of physics. So day one, here it is. Borrow $100 from a stranger. He said on the very first day, He's at work, and he sees a guy sitting behind a desk, and he looks a little bit like a security guard, a little bit, you know, buff. And he comes up to him, and he said, "Um, excuse me, sir, can I borrow $100? Never met the guy before. And the guy said, "Uh, no, why? And he goes, okay, sorry, and he took off running. (laughs) But he got to thinking about it. What did I learn from this today? He got to thinking. You know, the guy even asked the question, why? Maybe he's willing to engage a little bit. So tomorrow, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to run away. So day two, he requested a, it says day two, he was to request a burger refill. So he got to his favorite burger joint, and he finished it, and he went up to the counter. He said, can I have my burger refill? And the guy said, what's a burger refill? He goes, you know, like uh, drink refills, but only it's a burger refill. And uh, the guy said, well, we don't do burger refills. And he decided to engage in discussion with him. He goes, man, I really like this place. I really like your hamburgers. And man, if you guys would do burger refills, it would just make it that so much better for me. And I would come more often. (laughs) He goes, well, maybe in the future, but not today. (laughs) Day three, to ask for Olympic symbol donuts. So he said, this is what changed, changed his world. He gets to uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts, and he has a, a picture of the Olympic symbol. And he goes to the donut maker, and he said, could you make donuts that are interlocking like this for me, colored in this way? And he said, the donut maker got into it. She said, okay, the colors. And he said, she started looking at the colors and the design and interlocking them. He goes, 15 or 30 minutes later, he walked out with his Olympic donuts. Said so day four, he, was, uh, he wanted to deliver pizza for Domino's. Day five, have a tour in a grocery store warehouse. Day six was to play soccer in someone's backyard. <laughs> but he learned that sometimes he could turn that no into a yes. One day he went to a stranger's house, I love this, and he asked if he could plant this flower in his backyard. He said, can I plant this flower in your backyard? And the guy said, no. 
But before he could leave and close the door and slam the door in his face, Gia asked, could I know why? And the guy said, well, I have this dog that would dig up anything in the backyard, and I don't want to ruin your flower. If you want to do this, go across the street and talk to Connie. She loves flowers. So that's what he did. He went across the street, knocked on Connie's door, and she was so happy to see him. And 30 minutes later, there was a flower in Connie's backyard. So he was initially rejected, but he got a referral out of it. And Gia converted that referral into a sale. <laughs> so he went to Starbucks one day and asked if he could be a Starbucks greeter. And the manager said, what's a Starbucks greeter? He said, you know, it's kind of like what they have at Walmart. You know, the Walmart greeter. And I want to bring the Walmart experience to Starbucks. And so he looked at the, uh, he looked at the manager of Starbucks and he said, is that weird? Because he knew that the Starbucks manager was already thinking that. But as soon as he got on that same page, there was a shift. As soon as he saw, the manager saw, this guy wasn't crazy, he was just, is that weird? Guy go, yeah, that is kind of weird. Kind of laughed it off, and he said, you know what, why not? He let him do, do it for an entire hour. He came from a family of teachers. He wanted to teach a college class, so he began to ask professors if he could teach their class, having no degree, going and knocking on professors' doors, can I teach your class? being rejected time and time again. But eventually, finally, one of the teachers accepted his offer and he taught a college class. He said that day he walked out of that class with tears in his eyes. But this talk that he gave, it was so inspiring to me because this has been something that I have a, had a tremendous fear of my whole life. And I thought about the rejection that Jesus went through for you and for me. One of the th some of the things I've been afraid of growing up is witnessing, door knocking. Do you guys remember door knocking? I was so afraid to knock on people's doors. I had this tremendous fear to knock on people's door and having the door slammed in my face and, you know, trying to tell them about Jesus. I had a tremendous fear. Anyone else? Yeah, that was me. Um, fundraisers scare me to, I remember my mom saying, you got to get out there and sell peanut bread. I'm like, I, no, I can't do it. I'm a terrible salesman. The truth is I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of somebody saying no. Some people don't have that fear like I did. I, I would argue with my mom. I remember as a little boy, she goes, just go to these businesses and ask if they'll, and I'd be like, no, I don't want to. What about praying in public? Tremendous fear of that. I remember being so embarrassed sitting at the restaurant. My dad was praying, and I'd be looking to see if anybody was watching us. Or even standing up for what I believed in when others knocked Christianity. I remember when I went to ask my wife to marry me, scared to death. Scared to death. In fact, we were at this restaurant in Capitola, and it was during the floods of 1997. Do you guys remember the floods? The beginning of the year, it was January 1st, 1997, and it was pouring down raining. 
and we were at that restaurant, and there was no one around. It was perfect. I was thinking about the idea of asking her, and all of a sudden, people got seated in the table next to us. People were seated here. People were seated there, and I'm like, I can't ask her because I would be so embarrassed if I got rejected in front of people. You know, if you ask, you know, make a big scene, everyone, I'm going to, will you marry me? Then they say no. <laughs> so I didn't ask her in front of those people. I had to make sure I, I had to ask her when there was no one around, scared to death. Or even asking for people to help, even in the church sometimes. You know, people say, no, they're busy. Altar calls, how hard is it to do an altar call for me, you know? I always had a tremendous fear of rejection. To preach anywhere else, it's always frightening to me. And usually when I would get asked, I would be like, well, you know, you might want to have somebody else. I'm not really a big name preacher. So you know this year has really been challenging for me because I was asked to, to preach at Nashville. And this was a learning experience for me. And I was asked to preach in Kansas for... I think it was, I don't know, how many services? Six services. I was asked to preach for six services, and I was so nervous. So all these fears, but I began to think about him. That word rejected, it's an adjective. And adjectives are words, according to my parsing guide, in the Hebrew, which modify, which limit, which clarify other words. And it's an adjective. And uh, the verse says, we're going to read it again. I don't know if Christy still has it, has it up. I didn't read the entire chapter on purpose. But he, referring to Jesus Christ, is despised and rejected of men. I think that's a big thing to take note of, that he's rejected of men. We've been talking about it with God's law of being, that sometimes you may feel rejection from men, but not rejected by God. He was not rejected by God, right? Or was he? Right? He's on the cross. Jesus is on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, that sense of being forsaken. And so he was rejected of men, it says, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So the word rejected from Strong's, it means vacant, ceasing, or destitute. From um, the uh, online Thayer's Greek, it, it means rejected, forbearing, transient, fleeting, lacking. I got this from Drown, Brown Driver Briggs, and it says, Isaiah 53, verse 3, is lacking men, forsaking by them, forsaken by them. Jesus, near at his crucifixion, even his apostles fled. One of them fled naked, you know. Soldiers tried to grab his garment, and he, they kept running, left the garment behind. Um... One of them says, uh, this is the theological word book, of, book, word book of the Old Testament. It says, Isaiah 53, verse 3, the Messiah is described as rejected of men. 
avoided by men. The alternative suggestion of Thomas forsaking men is followed by the NEB. But he shrank from the sight of men, rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the grief. In my life, I've had an unhealthy fear of rejection. There have been numerous times in my life that I have rejected him in order to feel more acceptable with others. And I shared that story before when my mom shared that story when I was a little boy sitting in Sunday school about the mission field and they were trying to get these people to deny Jesus Christ and they had the rock on the, on the, on the end of the, the rope and they were swinging it, it would get closer and closer to, head, to their head and they'd say, deny Jesus. And it would get closer and that one person who didn't deny it and that rock struck the head and there was blood and it was in my, the little children's thing in Sunday school. And I'm thinking, I'm denying him. <laughs> I don't want to get hit by that rock. I was scared to death, right? But I've done that how many times in my life. I have easily succumbed to peer pressure. But it did work in my favor when my peers were on fire for the Lord. You know, when they were on fire for the Lord and they're like, man, this is exciting. Let's go to the altar. I'm like, all right, let's go to the altar, <laughs> you know. When they're like jumping it, okay, all right. You know, um, and eventually I got to that age where I decided, you know what? This is worth living for him. Even if my friends don't want to live for him. I still don't like the idea of being rejected. And maybe I still have an unhealthy fear of it. But I am finally getting to the place where I might even dare to suffer a little bit of rejection. In spite of my desire to not reject his laws or his ways, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, his statutes, his precepts, his words, his works, all that, I still have rejected him time and time again. And it is a daily struggle in my life. 1 Samuel 8, 7. The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. That's what God said. You see, before there was a king in Israel, they had a king, and that was God. He was it. But they wanted to be like the other nations. And they just had a man of God, Samuel, the prophet, right? The priest, he, just the man of God. And Samuel felt a little rejected when they're saying, we want a king. And Samuel felt like, you know, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting my children, my sons. And God said, no, it's not you that they're rejecting, Samuel, but they're rejecting me. And I thought, how many times have I rejected the Lord? For Samuel 10, 19, it's the same thing. Samuel says, you have re this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, nay, but set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Also in 1 Samuel 15, 23, when Saul was king of Israel, and he had done something that he wasn't supposed to do. And Samuel addressed him. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. That's one thing that I, I might be rejected by others, but I definitely don't want to be rejected by him. I don't want to ever hear him say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. I never want to feel that rejection from the Lord. 2 Kings 17, 14 through 15, notwithstanding they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them, and they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And we do that time and time again. We get with our friends that aren't Christian and we're influenced by them. When I say we, I'm talking about me. Because I know that that scripture says evil communications corrupt good manners. It's talking about our associations. It's talking about the people that we hang out with. My freshman year in high school, you know, I played football at Eldorado High School. You know that... Uh, I was a fast runner, and um, I was the fastest guy on the football team. I was the fastest guy out of my freshman year, out of all the freshman football players, all the JV, and all the varsity. All the football players at, in Eldorado High, High School in Placerville. That year, I got the record for the 100-yard dash at Eldorado High School. Also, I broke it for the JV my freshman year. And I was two-tenths of a second from breaking, uh, I don't know how many year record, 20 or 30 year record on the varsity record at Eldorado High School, my freshman year. So I was a fast runner, you know, and I was known. And uh, I remember hanging out with the other football players. And you know, hanging out with the other football players, they're going to parties, and they're talking about all these girls they've been with and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm rubbing shoulders with them. And I'm sitting eating lunch with him, and one day my dad confronts me. He said, your attitude has changed. And I was so convicted by it. So I stopped hanging out with him. I started thinking about it. And so I went, and every day they'd be like, hey, you going to eat lunch with me, uh, with us? And I'd say, no, I'm going to work on my homework. I'm going to go into the library. So I started going to the library and do my homework every day. And I wasn't mean to them. I didn't say, hey, no, I just can't hang out with you because you guys are a bad influence. I never said any of that. I was too chicken for that. I'm too much of a fear of rejection to say something like that. But I'd say, no, I'm, I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to work on my homework. And they said, oh, all right, that's cool. And so um, I noticed that I was influenced myself. Jeremiah 6.19 says, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but they rejected it. How many times have you rejected his word? How many times have you rejected his law? I've done it multiple times. I'm a sinner and maybe the chief of sinners, right? I don't know if anybody would be willing to argue with that with me. No, no one's willing to argue it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jeremiah 8 verse 9 the wise men are ashamed they are dismayed and taken lo they have rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them 
Hosea 4, verse 6, God says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. One thing I don't want my God to forget is my children. And you know, by me making sure that I don't reject knowledge, by me making sure that, because uh, it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I don't want to reject knowledge. I, want, I don't want to reject, reject his commandments, his laws, his statutes, all that. I don't want to forget the law of my God. And I can pass on that benefit to my children. I feel like I'm blessed. I feel like I'm benefited from my dad's commitment to the Lord. Isn't that one of, one of the Ten Commandments? It says, uh, where it says in uh, Exodus chapter 20, we were just talking about that, right? With Brother McAtee, was it me and you were talking about this? Um, Exodus 20. Christy, can you pull it up? I can't remember the verse. But I know it's starting at verse 3. It's the Ten Commandments. But let's look at, uh, we're going to scroll through real quick. Verse 4, next. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. This is commandment number two, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Verse 6. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And that's the thing I wanted for my children. I, if I loved and kept his commandments, they would benefit from my commitment, just like I feel like I benefit from my dad's commitment to the Lord. It's just something I've, just, I've thought about over the years. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. You know, I'm involved with construction. And could you imagine that stone, you know, that the builder's looking for that perfect stone. And he sees that stone and he rejects that stone. And maybe rejected of men. But I'm going to tell you what the Lord did. He laid the foundation. He said, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. And let me tell you about that stone. It's a tried stone, and this stone is a perfect cornerstone, and that stone, Jesus Christ, is a sure foundation. That's the stone that the Lord laid down, rejected of men, but laid in Zion by God himself. This is a quote from Psalm 118, verse 22, which says, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner." Mark 12, 10, and 11, it's Mark's version of this verse. I, and have you not read in this, this scripture, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Let's not reject what the Lord has not rejected, what he has done. Luke 20, verse 17 and 18, this is Luke's version of that same passage. He beheld them and said, what is it then that is written, the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, 
but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. I would rather fall on that stone and be broken than to have that stone fall on me and grind me to powder, to humble myself and fall on that stone. The Bible says, a broken and contrite spirit thou wilt not despise. Does it say it in Psalm 34, 18? The Lord is nigh unto them of a broken heart, save as such. No, that's the wrong verse. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 34, 18. It's not the verse I was thinking of, right? Psalm 34, 18. She didn't pull it up. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Luke 7. 29. No, I'm sorry. Yes. We can do that one. All the people that heard him and the publicans justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. So they rejected the counsel of God. Notice how it says the counsel of God. Well, they might have said, no, we're just rejecting John's baptism. But the Bible says they re were rejecting the counsel of God. And many times God uses a messenger. He sends that messenger with a message. And if that message, let's say if Matthew, let's say God gives you a message for me. And you come to me and say, I just feel this to share this. The Lord shared this with me to share with you. And I say, I reject that. That's just Matthew. You know, God thinks that I'm rejecting him when I reject his messenger. And sometimes we don't always know. And so sometimes we think, ah, that's, you know, that's just Matthew. But God can use anybody. He can use a donkey, yeah. right? We see that in scripture. He can use anybody with his message. And so before I usually reject anything, I think about it. I say, is this God? And I'm gonna check it out with his word. If Patrick comes to me and says, I, the Lord just told me, this is, Patrick Delaney, if he, not Brother McAtee, so the Lord told me, uh, shared with me how you can raise that $800,000. I got these guns, these masks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to look at the, uh, the Bible where it says, okay, the commandment number six. He said, thou shalt not steal. So I don't think that was God, Patrick. <laughs> But yeah, we, we check it out, right? We check it out to see what, what uh, we check it out with God's word. Did I, I read Luke, Luke 7.30, did I read uh, Mark 8.31? Mark 8.31, it says, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders. He knew in advance he had to suffer and be rejected. I couldn't do this. This is not me. I hate rejection, guys. I, th I don't know if anybody hates rejection as bad as me, but this has been really a big problem for me in my life. And uh, be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Luke 9, 22. 
through 26, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders, chief priests, scribes, be slain, be raised the third day. He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Denying myself, that's a hard thing. Take up his cross daily, that's a hard thing, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. That's a hard thing, losing my life. What is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, Jesus says, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Luke 17, 24 and 25, For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. He first had to suffer and be rejected. So, a few years ago, I talked about this idea, but not in this much detail. In fact, it was July of 2019. I mentioned this in that message Oftentimes, a minister can feel rejection as Samuel did. There are times when the minister is the problem, but other times it is the people that's rejecting God. The minister is only in a position that God has set up, and he will only be there for a time. Ministers come and go, but God is the constant. He never changes. He's always the same. I've seen some that did walk away from God. And then they blamed the minister. Well, my question is, was it the minister? Or was it that they were just walking away from God? That they were rejecting him? Sometimes the saint can feel rejection from the church. Or even the minister. I remember one time, a number of years ago, I was sitting down at lunch with a co-worker of mine who was attending a church here in Placerville, not our church. And he was offended because he and his wife had not been to church in a while and the pastor had not called them. And he asked me, what would you do? I understood what he felt, but I also wondered what that pastor was feeling. They had just stopped going. This was pre-pandemic. They had just stopped going to church and they never called and let the pastor know what was going on. I wondered from the pastor's perspective. I never asked. I never asked what, because I didn't know that. I don't even know that pastor to this day. One day when I was on a bus going to school, Gold Oak, Gold Oak Grammar School, I shared this story, but there was this boy that asked this girl to be his girlfriend. She said no, but he didn't stop. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He said, why? He was persistent. And I said to him, I can even imagine myself asking a second time. If I asked once and they said no, I'll probably never ask again. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. This was my fear of rejection growing up. I thought of this. I'm like, why would he even ask her a second time? Does, what part of no does he not get? There's been examples I've had Bible quizzing. I remember the day that I went up to the quiz master. You know, I had been 
involved in Bible quizzing much longer than he had. This is before I was a quiz master. And I said, I don't covet your position. Because I know that in that position, sometimes you have to tell people that is incorrect. And I know because I've heard the coaches, and I've been one of the coaches, and I've heard the parents, and I've been one of the parents, and I've heard the quizzers, and I've been one of the quizzers, that complained that the quiz master didn't make the right ruling. So I said, I don't covet that position because everyone's gunning for you. You're the bad guy. You're the enemy. You've got to tell people they're wrong. Until I became a quiz master. I'm like, okay, Lord, I have to learn these lessons. And I had to look down and say, that is incorrect. Not knowing what kind of wrath might come my way. And there's lots of examples that I could give. One is from the movie, I, you know, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Jim Carrey's character asks, what are the chances of a guy like you and a girl like, a guy like me and a girl like you ending up together? You guys remember the answer? Mary Swanson says, not good. He says, not good, like one in a hundred? She says, I'd say more like one in a million. And he said, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I could never imagine myself doing, saying this. I'm like, one in a million? That means I'm rejected. I'm a reject. I'm walking away. I'm running away. But he said, so you're telling me there's a chance. The definition that uh, I found from a dictionary on the word reject is to refuse to accept, to consider, to submit to, to take for some purpose. Um, just being one of his, one of the Lord Jesus Christ, be belonging to him, might cause you to feel rejected, especially in this day and age, when they're saying, oh, those Christians, they're so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What is it? Persistent. Persistent, yeah, they are. A lot of them are. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, judgmental. That's a, that's a good word. And they are. You, you've met them. Uh, you've met those that uh, are very judgmental. We talked about this, in fact, on Friday night, the Bible study. V, do you remember this? We talked about that. One of the reasons for offenses, we talked about judgmental. And so uh, you might be just put in that class because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you're one of them. You know, maybe they've never even met you or know anything about you, but immediately they reject you because in the past they've had some bad experiences with Christians. And there have been some who've called themselves Christians who weren't honest, some who have called themselves Christians who have done things to hurt people, and so they look at all Christians as bad people. You know? You guys know what I'm talking about? You've experienced that. I know that they're not all bad, but I know there's some out there that I don't want to hang out with either. 
John 15, verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. So they might persecute you. Just being a follower of him, that's it. And so I have other scriptures. I'll just give you one more. This will be the last one. 1 Thessalonians 2, 15 and 16, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So today is the day of salvation. We should come to him while we can. There will be that day when he sits on the throne of judgment. Right, Cindy? Isn't that what we talked about yesterday? That day when he will sit on the throne of judgment. And if you make it to that day and you have not submitted yourself to his lordship, it will be too late. He is not willing or he has not willed that anyone should perish. But there is an offer of salvation for everyone. So he wants everyone. He desires everyone to come to repentance, but the choice is yours. Those who will not be saved cannot blame the one who paid the price for their opportunity to be saved. If they reject the opportunity to be saved, then they have chosen rejection. He has shown throughout his word that he died for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the entire world. We can and we should be saved. And you can come to him today. He will not refuse you today. He has already considered you before you were born and he died for you. He will, re not, he will not reject the opportunity for you to be saved. He submitted himself to death so that you can be saved. He can and he will take your broken life and he can mend it, right, Cindy? We talked about that picture you showed me of something that was very valuable, that was broken. And I said, there's one who can take the broken pieces and put them all together. And my dad used to sing about that. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Um, take up all the shattered dreams, is that right? Of my life, that the feet of Jesus lay them down. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, broken hearts, as it say, and wounded souls. Give them all to Jesus. So he will not reject you based upon your brokenness. No matter how badly you have sinned, he is still willing to make your life, to take your life, and use it in a powerful way if you are willing to submit your life to him. He will not reject your desire to do great things for him. If you will pray anything according to his will, he will hear that prayer. He is not far off that we cannot access him. He will not reject that prayer. That is prayed according to his will. 
He will not reject any love you have for him. He loved you first. And you won't feel betrayed by him. My question for you today is how hard will you fight to reject him? Some who have suffered with rejection, I can say this of myself. Because of the fear of rejection, maybe there was times I didn't open up to people. And maybe they just thought I was rejecting them. But maybe it can be traced. You've met people. My sister Amy shared this with me. Amy, I don't mean to embarrass you if you're listening. Um, she shared this. She was adopted. She said she was a rascal. She was a rascal, but she was testing, she said, so many times to see if this family really loved me. And she said this that way with a lot of those who were adopted or in foster care. And sometimes there's maybe someone out there, that bully out there. You meet that bully, he's just so mean to people. Maybe at some point in his life, he was rejected. And so he's internalized and he's become angry and bitter. He's angry at the world. But you can know today that if you'll come to him, he will not reject you. So that's the message today I have on rejection. It's something that speaks to me. I know some of you probably don't have the same fear that I've had. Some of you do. Some of you can relate exactly to what I'm talking about. I bet most of us can, in fact. Some of us are more I would put myself on one of the severe sides, you know. And uh, I remember as a boy, I played the drums, you know. And I remember I went to Loomis Camp, and somebody heard that I played the drums. And they said, hey, Jim Thorson, would you come forward and play the drums in front of everybody? And I was frozen. And I was frozen. I, I couldn't move, and I was so afraid. My mom bought me that drum set, my mom and dad, and it came to time to start band in sixth grade, and I wanted to play the trumpet. And my mom said, that's fine, you can play the trumpet, but we're going to get rid of your drum set. I said, no, I don't want to lose my drum set. So I had to play the drums. So I played the drums, and then finally they said, well, you got to get up there and play. And I said, I don't want to play. If you don't play, we're getting rid of your drum set. So I sat up there, and I was forced to play. I was so nervous. I was whole, so scared. I didn't want people watching me. You know, I had a great fear. And the Lord has helped me to be at the place I am today where I could even talk in front of people. I used to be scared to death of it. In fact, in first grade, they sent me to special ed because I wouldn't even say anything in front of the class when they would go around the class and they'd have it, every student read something. They'd get to me and I'd be like, I would whisper, and they thought I had a problem. They thought I had a, I remember sitting in the, the, with the specialist. She would say, okay, say that louder now. Okay, now speak up. Okay, what was that, little Jimmy? Okay, can you speak up? And I remember being just terrified, terrified. So if you've ever had that fear, let me tell you today that he has not rejected you. In fact, he loves you. And he desires to have a relationship with you. Yes, Amen. So if you would like, 
We just open the altar if you would like to come and talk to the Lord. If you want to stay in your seats, that's fine. And uh, I'm just going to play a worship, little worship song. And uh, let's just take a few moments and let's just magnify the Lord Jesus. Amen. Yeah. 